The following presentation is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that it will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Moses' law, or the law of God given to him, 
Jesus. That we something need something more abundant. We will fulfill Moses' word. But Jesus is something new. A lot of grace. A way of graciously coming into relationship with God through the Messiah, through Jesus himself. In today's passage, we'll see that when it comes to human beings having a relationship with God, that that is a place where the Jewish law fails. We see it through the Old Testament over and over again. It is sad when it comes to relationships between people and God. And the reason for this failure is the human element. It's people. No doubt we'd agree. We, we can see how that's the case. We look around us. We look in us. We know that people are corruptible. We know that people are unfaithful. We know that people are self-centered. So it makes sense that true worship of God, relationship with God, if it's dependence on these human elements, then it is doomed to fail. It's totally If we are to have a relationship with God, is it possible? Is it all possible when we are part of the relationship? In our passage this morning, Jesus goes to the place that serves as the focal point for God's relationship with mankind. And he goes at a time where that relationship is most clearly seen. He goes at the Passover to the temple in Jerusalem. And John sets the scene for us in verses 13 and 14 of chapter 6. Passover of the Jews was occurring when Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers. The Greek word used for temple here in verse 14, but also again in verse 15, refers to the whole temple precept. Thus, the temple building, as well as the, the surrounding forts and the other things. Now, where the word temple is used in verses 19, 20, and 21 later in life, it's there used to, it's there to use the same word that's used for the whole picture. It's more focused on the dwelling place. God. And the word dwelling is where the emphasis in those later verses lies. So Jesus goes up to this temple, the temple of God in Jerusalem. And what would you expect to find in the temple? It's worshipping God. You'd expect to find worshipping. So we'd expect that that's what Jesus is going to see as he enters 
who they forced the Gentiles in into the temple. No. What did Jesus find? Oh, he finds those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons. And the money changes to people. See, the money changes and those selling animals were not doing it as a, a service to children. We're not doing it to help out those who have traveled long distances to get there. They're doing it to make a profit. They turned the sacrificial system into a business. They turned a place of worship into a place of trade. So the focus of Jesus here in John's account is not so much that they are profiting or being dishonest in their trade. It seems to be the focus when the temple cleansing is mentioned in the other gospels, in Mark chapter 21, Mark 11, and Luke 19. There Jesus calls the turning to place of sin of robbery. But that doesn't seem to be the focus here. It doesn't seem to be what Jesus is objecting to in John. Here the focus is Jesus objecting to them even being there at all. They're set up in the court of the Gentiles, not in the temple building itself in the outer court. The place of the temple where the non-Jewish people can come and worship and pray. God desires all people to worship and live in relationship with Him. Not just Jews. God delights in the worship of people from all backgrounds. Let's look at Isaiah 56. Through the prophet Isaiah, we read, And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servant. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their bears offering and their sacrifices will I accept on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. Do you think foreigners would have had that experience in the temple of Jerusalem when Jesus came up? Now, I'm not sure how you go with concentrating when there's a heap of background, a lot of distractions going on. So let's spend just a couple of minutes in that. Close your eyes at the See if you can imagine what it was like in that court in Jesus' day. Can you hear the constant bleating of cattle? Can you hear the sound of bathroom as a price? What about the smell? Can you smell? 
that's the new form. It's probably got to be about the pattern. The diagnosis asks, can it be born Yes, or it's too far gone. Maybe it's like trying to worship God and pray in the animal pavilion of the earth. Could you put yourself there? How would you feel in that setting? How might a foreigner have felt in the temple of God? Feel welcome? Feel like part of things? Do you feel accepted? Or would you feel like you need freedom? You need to be here? Put yourself in those shoes. Maybe you sound different to everyone around you. Maybe you look different. You've got a different set of customs that you're used to than others around you. You go to the place to worship God at the place that is the focal point of his relationship with mankind. You go to the time when that relationship is most clearly Although God is drawing you to Him, His people are pushing you aside. Culturally, you're an outsider. It seems like a lot of people wanting you to know that. I've invited you to imagine yourself in that position this morning. To feel no doubt there are some here who might say, Brother, there's no need to do that. I've been in that place. And you can be brother, no need to imagine. I'm in that setting now. Maybe you're Maybe your cultural background is different to other people's background. Maybe it's your age. There's not so much snow on your roof. Family situation to make you feel different to everyone around you. Your physical ability, your mental struggles at the moment. Maybe it's your socioeconomic circumstances, your living conditions. Things we need to ask ourselves. Do we welcome the outsiders, people who are different to us? 
God draws people to Himself here at North Point? Do we give them space to worship God just as they are? If you can identify with the outside of this morning, then you need to hear what Jesus tells you. But if you can identify with the insider this morning, you also need to hear what Jesus says next. Verses 15 to 17. And making a whip of cords, Peter and Jesus drove them all out of the temple with the sticks and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house, which is true. Jesus gets cracking at Philip Simon's temple there. In doing so, he acts with zeal or with passionate devotion to God's dwelling place, to the worship of God. In his cleansing of the temple, we see that Jesus shares God's desire for true worship and right relationship between God and mankind. Look with me at Malachi 3. Speaks to this exact moment. The Lord says through the prophet Malachi, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a laundry's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. And offerings as the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by. In John chapter 2, the Jewish leaders are insulting God by allowing his house to be turned into a marketplace. And Psalm 69 brings this out well. Psalm 69 is the, the place, deal for your house, will be seen. Notice here, if you look through Psalm 69, the different words used to describe shame. It says, Let not those who hope in me be put to shame through me, O Lord God of hosts. Let not those who seek you be brought to dishonor through me, O God of Israel. For it is for your sake that I have borne reproach, that dishonor has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers, an alien to my mother's sons. For zeal for your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. 
in Psalm 69, the psalmist to David, the king of Israel, is saying that the people are insulting and dishonoring God by their worship. So by quoting from Psalm 69 here, John is showing that in Jesus, God has come to his temple, declared it unclean, and will take its shame upon himself. God's desire is for pure worship, the true worship. The Bible is clear on that. 1 Samuel 15, 22. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the sacrifice. Or as David says in Psalm 51, 16 and 17, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Hosea 6, verse 6. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than being Maybe in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul in Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper work. God desires true worship. And at its core, true worship is having a humble trust in God. Write that down and decide again. At its core, true worship is having a humble trust in God. When our lives display humble trust in God, God is glorified, is not? have a zeal for true worship of God? Do you have a zeal for right relationship between yourself and God? Do we ask out of passionate devotion to God when it comes to church and meeting together regularly with other people? Do we act in passionate devotion to God when it comes to God's Word and to prayer? Well, are we okay with harboring things in our lives? Secret things? Destructive habits? Do you have a what about when it comes to others? Are you willing to talk with one another about the quality of their worship? 
Instead, the quality of their relationship with God. I need concern about what God defines as worship. Or are you saying to just offer up your own faith and call this worship? To the Jewish leaders in the temple in Jerusalem here, we're not concerned with what God sees as worship. Nor were they concerned with who God calls to worship. They were concerned with convenience, with their own positions of authority. Here we'll see how Jesus now takes the challenge upon himself. Verses 18 to 22. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing this? Jesus said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had suffered, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. And on the surface, it might look like Jesus is playing a game of if then. You go first. You really want me to perform a miraculous sign and start ripping this place down? You do that, then trust me, then I will do something spectacular. That would put the Jewish leaders in a bit of a pickle, wouldn't it? Do they see themselves as having the authority to tear down the temple? Of God. If they started pulling walls down, it would imply that they might actually believe that Jesus is here to speak to you. Jesus is not playing the game of if and then. He re- remember the nuances in the word temple. Verses 21 and 22 show us that Jesus was prophesying what will happen in the future. You will destroy this temple. And it will be raised back up in three days. The clearing of the temple is a sign that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, not just because it fulfills Messianic prophecy, but because it is tied to Jesus' death and resurrection. The time where Jesus is truly glorified as the Messiah, the Son of God. In his death and resurrection, Jesus embodies true worship. In his death and resurrection, Jesus displays humble trust in God. But how is this good news? It's good news for us because we are all outsiders. We're all being outsiders when it comes to relationship with God, the true worship of God. It's good news to us because through Jesus' death and resurrection, 
through Jesus' destruction and raising again in three days. Everyone can come to worship and live in relationship with God. No institution can keep us from Him. No sin or uncleanness on our behalf can keep us from Jesus. No cultural heritage, no religious background. No work standard can keep us from coming to the God of the universe and worshiping Him. And that is because there is nothing in or of us that is the basis of our worship and our relationship with God. Jesus is the basis of our worship and relationship with God. Jesus alone is the perfect and pure sacrifice accepted by God the Father. His sinless life, His death, and His resurrection. That is the basis of our faith. Jesus takes the shame related to our polluted worship upon Himself. Jesus first Perfect sacrifice has dealt with the imperfect human elements that would bar us from relationship with God. And Jesus calls all people to humble trust in God. What's that going to look like for you? There's something ringing in your ears here. There's something niggling at your heart. What are you going to do today? You're going to try to pick us back out and get some hot coffee and maybe that feeling will change things. Or are you willing to do something? Maybe for you it's a bit like me. Maybe there's something in in your work situation. You need to live in humble trust in God. You need to put your employment in the hands of Jesus and allow Him to take over. Or maybe it's a medical issue for you. Maybe you've received some news. You're struggling with a physical illness or something going on mentally. Maybe in that context, you need to be comfortable. Maybe it's about the relationship. Maybe you've had a disagreement with someone. Maybe there's something to say. What might it look like to you Maybe it means you take the first step. Maybe it means you're someone like myself that in conflict is something to be avoided. Maybe you need courage. Something trust to God. To restore that relationship. Maybe you need to 
something like some questions over country and relationships. In that case, some of the questions over the world look like finding out to your family. Finding out to your improper relationships. It means owning up your attitudes, your words, your actions that have insulted God. It looks like I'm asking God to accept Jesus' sacrifice in your life. The one who's born the son of your sins. And then trusting in Him. When he says he sacrificed the people for the rest of the world. Will you follow Jesus and take steps to be humble enough to be We thank you that the basis of our work, the basis of our relationship with you, is not a human element. We thank you that the basis of our relationship with you is the perfect life, the suffering death, and the glorious resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And on that basis, our relationship cannot fail. Father, we thank you that you call all people to come to you, to come to your Son, to repent and receive forgiveness, to give him our shame and receive honor in his place. Father, your word has made us aware. We're not perfect in that area. When it comes to you drawing people to yourself, sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we don't give them a space to worship God as they are. Sometimes we force them to conform, become like us before they were. But Lord, will you forgive us? When that is the case, and Lord, that might be the case here. Father, would you lead us in righteousness? Lead us to see those who seem like outsiders and to welcome them as you have welcomed them in our relationship with Father, I pray that this week will not pass for us. Where we will not take seriously your word. Father, I pray that where you are, through your spirit, touching people's hearts here this morning, that they would then be moved and motivated to act, to go through with the actions you have put in front of them, to the commitments that they have made, that they will see what needs to be done, and Lord, 
in humble trust in you. This has shaped the rest of life. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your gift of grace. Thanks for joining us for this presentation from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.